Um, but we are in the fruit of the Spirit, so turn to Galatians with me, and we'll read this real quick, and then dive right into talking a little bit more about faithfulness. But Galatians chapter 5, uh, the fruit of the Spirit, Paul writes this. He says, the fruit of the Spirit, in other words, the things or the virtues or the character traits that come from God or that grow in us because of our relationship with God, uh, is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And against such things, there is no law. So kids, what that means is that if you're being patient, your parents can't ever tell you that you're wrong. Okay? If you're being patient, they can't tell you to stop it. You're, you're perfectly within your rights to be patient. Um, so against such things, there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the sinful nature with its passions and desires. And since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking, and envying each other. One of my favorite stories about faithfulness would come from 1 Samuel. You don't have to turn there. I'm just going to read some little bits of it. But the story of Saul in contrast to David has always been one that fascinated me. If you don't know the story of God's people, they basically come into the land and God says, I'll be your king. I'll be the one that takes care of you. I'll be the one that helps you. I'll be the, the, the only thing that you really need. You don't need to be like the other countries that have to have a representative kind of head or a king. Um, I'll be enough. But I know you're not going to have enough faith for that. So someday uh, you're going to take a king. So it's kind of interesting how God knows how that's going to work. And so when they finally get to the point where they want a king, um, they end up with Saul. And Saul is this guy that's really large. He looks like a king. He can fight like a king. Everyone f follows him like a king. And so he's, in, in all respects, the logical guy to be king. If, if we had a room full of people and you said, who's the king in this room? The, the one that, that most people would look at and say, it's probably that guy, uh, the way he carries himself, his stature, all those kinds of things, that was Saul. But the interesting thing about Saul was Saul didn't have much faith. He really didn't have much faith. Um, and by the way, this word faithfulness that shows up in the fruit of the Spirit, it's, it's just the word faith, and they kind of in that list make it, make it faithfulness. And I think a better way of saying it would be uh, full of faith. So the person that has this fruit of the Spirit is someone who is full of faith. They have a lot of faith in God. They have a lot of trust in God. And so what happens with Saul is he's fighting these battles, and we see this one kind of story that crops up in, um, in uh, 1 Samuel chapter, uh, chapter 13. And the interesting thing that's going on is Saul's got his army in one place, and the Philistines have their army in another place, and the Philistines have so many people that it's making David's guys really scared. I guess Braveheart illusions wouldn't make sense this morning. <laughs> that was last week when uh, it wasn't family Sunday. Um, so we've got all these guys, and, and, and Saul's men are slowly beginning to get uh, to become afraid. And these aren't necessarily pro professional soldiers. A lot of these people are people from the tribes of Israel that have come out to fight. They've responded to a call by Saul to, to pick up their arms 
to lay down what, what it is they were doing, farming or whatever else, and to show up on the battlefield to fight. And as they're looking at this situation, they're kind of getting to the point where they're afraid and they're saying, um, maybe we should just put down the weapons and go back to our homes. Maybe this isn't worth it. We're going to probably lose our lives in this situation. So they begin to be afraid. Now Saul's watching this as the king, and he's, he can't do anything yet because Samuel the priest has said, wait seven days, I'll show up, I'll make the sacrifice. In other words, I'll ask God's blessing on, on this campaign, what it is we're supposed to do, and then you can engage this battle. And as Saul is waiting, it's day five, it's day six, it's day seven, still no Samuel, and people are beginning to leave. And what happens when a few people begin to leave? Anybody? Yeah, it makes it easier, like, well, that guy's leaving, so I'm not going to stay. Like, why would I stay if he's leaving? You know, and so when people begin to leave, it's easy to, to realize, like, that's going to pick up momentum and a lot of people are going to leave probably pretty quickly. And so Saul does something really interesting. He tells his men, prepare the sacrifice. And they prepare the sacrifice. And he basically says, I'm going to do it myself. I'm going to go offer this, this sacrifice to God and ask God's blessing. Even though I'm the man of war, I have blood on my hands. I'm not the one that's supposed to do this. He's kind of taking matters into his own hands. And he's going to go ask the blessing of God. And, um, and kind of perform that sacrifice. Why is Saul trying to do that? One of the kids, your parent, if you get it right, mom and dad will buy you ice cream today. But, but why is Saul going to give the sacrifice himself? Anybody? You get ice cream today. Um, to, to basically just fix it to address the situation, to, to try to stop people from leaving, to try and regain control. What's the opposite of, of us grasping for control? The opposite of us grasping for control would be to sit there in the tension where we're not in control and to say, God, somehow I trust you. Somehow I have faith that even though my eyes are telling me that this isn't a good situation, even though Samuel hasn't shown up yet, I'm going to wait because that's the right thing to do. And I know that you're not going to let me down. And so right in that tension, faith is kind of that thing we do spiritually rather than grasping or the, the biblical word would be striving for control. So what happens is this. No sooner than Saul gives the sacrifice, then Samuel shows up. Just at verse 10, just as he finished making the offering, Samuel arrived, and Saul went out to greet him. And then Samuel says, what have you done? And Saul replies, when I saw that the men were scattering, and that you did not come at the set time, and that the Philistines were assembling, I thought, now the Philistines will come down against me at Gilgal, and I have not sought the Lord's favor. So I felt compelled to offer the burnt offering. Samuel says this, he says, you acted foolishly. You have not kept the command the Lord your God gave you. And if you had, he would have established your kingdom over Israel for all time. But now your kingdom will not endure. The Lord has sought out a man after his own heart and appointed him leader of his people. This is David, by the way. Because you have not kept the Lord's command. And then Samuel leaves 
And then Saul goes out and he numbers the men that are with him. So the interesting thing is Samuel's like, you didn't understand what was at stake here. Um, the tension of the situation that you might like lose this battle, that fear and the fear that everyone felt, it created an opportunity for God to show up and demonstrate his power that he really is the God of Israel. And then everyone would know the strength of God. And the next time they, they came into a trouble or a difficult situation, the people of Israel would, would look up and they'd say, God, I know you can deliver me in this situation. Why, why Saul? Because you would have taught them that. You would have shown them that. Your leadership would have allowed God to demonstrate his faithfulness to the people that wait on him or the people that trust in him. But instead of doing that, you acted on your own and you basically said, as the leader of Israel, that, that the only thing that really matters is manipulating the playing field, that the board game, that, that what the piece is on the board or whatever it is, the only thing that really matters is trying to gain leverage or gain control or get numbers on your side. And so as you manipulate those situations without thought or reference to God, that's really what you're teaching people matters the most, that your success is ultimately going to come down to you striving or your own um, control that you exercise over the situation. And that's not kingly behavior. That's not what God wanted. And it didn't give God an opportunity to demonstrate his faithfulness. And you know what, Saul? Um, because you can't act in that kind of way, because you don't have faith in God, because you don't really ultimately trust God, then God has picked someone else, someone after his own heart who's going to lead his people, and that's David. Interesting story about David. He was being chased by Saul when Saul kind of went maniacal and thought he would just kill David so that he could remain king, right? That as he was chasing David, they're coming on the city where David and his men are in this city, and pretty soon they're going to have that city surrounded. In other words, they're, they're going to have them trapped. And so David's men are coming to David, and they're saying, David, we got to get out of here. Like, we've got to go before they encircle this city and we're trapped. And David says, no, we have to seek the Lord's counsel and inquire of him what it is we should do. So the logical thing is just to get out of there. The logical thing is to run. The logical thing is to make sure you don't get trapped. And David is saying, I'm going to only walk forward as God leads and directs. And so I'm going to wait until he moves me. And I'm not going to fear Saul and his army. I'm going to basically show that I consider God higher than my enemies. It's him I fear. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. So you see this real interesting contrast between Saul and David, the one who lacked faith and the one who had faith. And so I kind of think when we look at ourselves now in light of this, if we're going to have faithfulness, if we're going to be full of faith, it really simply means that when life gets difficult and there's an opportunity for God to demonstrate his power, are we going to seek his counsel? Are we going to ask his guidance? Are we going to go to the Lord in prayer? Or are we going to dive in and try and control it ourselves? Um, what is it that we do? How do we make our decisions? Um, where do we ultimately think our success is going to come from? Or do we trust God? And so um, last thought with this is simply, you guys heard right. I said last thought. It's the shortest sermon I'm ever going to give. Um, so last thought is simply this. I, 
I think it's easy to feel heavy in church. It's easy to feel weighed down. It's easy to feel like, dang, I just, if you knew the amount of debt I had, if you knew what I was up against, and you're up there just pontificating about how we just trust God and somehow God's going to deliver, like, that's, that's just, I don't know how to take that. I don't know how to walk out with my cancer or whatever it is I'm dealing with and just feel like somehow the preacher said, just trust God with it. And, and I just don't know how to do that. Um, the preacher isn't saying for you to do that. The preacher is saying that as you keep in step with the Spirit, in other words, as you walk with God, as you spend time with God, that God will grow in you the faith. Uh, he'll grow in you the faithfulness. He'll create in you the ability to trust him in the most difficult of circumstances. And you'll be trusting him not because I said or someone else said to. You'll, you'll not be trusting God because somehow you're able to do this mighty task. You'll be trusting God because you've grown into the ability to naturally trust um, your heavenly father who cares about you. You know, trust is something that's grown as we spend time with people. These people that play instruments together, especially when you're, when you're harmonizing two different instruments and they've got to be in sync, your trust in the other person grows with the amount of time you spend with them, right? The more time you spend, the more you walk together, the more you see how that works, the, the more you can begin to say to yourself, I know where they're going to be at a certain time. I know that they're going to deliver on what they're supposed to deliver. And, and so I trust that. And the same is true with God. The more we prioritize our relationship with God and we spend time with God and we learn to listen to God, the more we begin to, when we're faced with these difficult challenges, say, God, I don't know that I have the strength. I don't even know that I have the energy or the will, but I know the right answer here is for me to trust you. Um, and I know that that's really where my heart yearns to go. And so I'm giving this over to you and I'm asking you for strength and for grace that you would hold me and keep me and allow me to walk with you into the middle of this, the, the valley of the shadow of death, into the lion's den or whatever it might be. And that that's something, that, that ability is literally something that's created in you through your relationship with God. So the only thing I'm, I'm pleading with us this morning is to say, as we go into busy lives this fall, as we go into busy lives with work or school, as we go into busy American lives uh, with football and fantasy football, um, I've kind of gotten addicted to fantasy football lately just because I like the draft part. Did anyone play Risk growing up? The, game, the board game Risk? I liked the part where you got to pick your countries you know, at the beginning. And that's kind of what fantasy is, like when you get to draft. And so they have these free leagues on Yahoo. And so um, I've kind of gotten addicted to just creating teams and drafting them. And I don't even know if I'm going to keep them up during the year, but I like drafting the teams. Um, I don't know what that had to do with anything. Where was I? Oh, as we go into um, this fall, listen, Somehow, some way, we've got to prioritize our relationship with God. Parents, you have to help prioritize time for your family to walk with the Lord, for your children to be in a context where they're being nurtured spiritually, 
where they're in the scriptures, where you're able to pray, whatever it might be, time with you one-on-one so that you can explain life to them from a biblical perspective. Um, that's what it says in Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy chapter 6, that uh, as, the, as the sun comes up and as the sun sets and as you rise and as you sit, basically as parents, as you go through life, that you'd be talking to your children and explaining to them what is happening and, and what it really looks like from a position of faith. And, and we need to be diligent in prioritizing our time with the Lord um, as we move into this next season. It's not go and have faith. It's go and walk with the Lord. Prioritize that. Everything is spiritual. Spend your time there. Like Jesus said, remain in my love. And I'm telling you, I'm promising you that these virtues and this faithfulness and this joy and this love will grow in you and be manifest in you and it'll be your greatest, greatest blessing in life. Amen? All right, let me pray for us. And uh, I think the band's coming back out, but let me pray. Father, we, uh, we commit our lives to you. As hard as it is, we commit our time to you. We commit our families to you. We commit our jobs to you. We commit our greatest fears to you. We commit our finances to you. We commit our weakness to you. Um, let us seek you and let us find you and let us know that somehow you've promised that you will grow us up more into the likeness of your son. That we can be the people we were created to be and know the joy that comes from that. We pray that in Christ's name. Amen.